three Dead's Not Punk episode of Volume 5. My name's Ewan Grant and my co-host Stuart Knight. Good. Well, I was going to say good evening, but of course you might be listening to this in the morning, so probably be easy if I just say hello. Welcome to episode 5 and welcome to 2023. Yeah, let's hope it brings us prosperity and uh, happiness in 2023. Um interesting end to the year Stuart and we can't continue this podcast without mentioning Vivian Westwood. Yeah it's an interesting one isn't it Vivian Westwood because obviously she started off you know being so influential in the whole Sex Pistols story with Malcolm McLaren and you know the sex shop and seditionaries uh, even before then really and obviously had a massive impact on the look and the evolution of punk and the shop on the King's Road was like a, you know, the epicenter of an awful lot of the London scene and people hung out there. I mean, the names associated with, with that shop are just, just go on forever. Um, uh, and it was, it's an interesting one. I mean, in later life, obviously with an OBE or a damehood or what have you, you know, famously going to Buckingham Palace to pick it up and not wearing any pants, um, <laughs> which was a nice move. But, um, but, you know, she was still proactive in certain causes, which uh, we talked about in earlier episodes. But that was one of the things that, that Punk gave us uh, a certain attitude towards was uh, to support things, one, that we thought were wrong with the world, and two, things that definitely needed change. The likes of, oh, you know, yeah. she was a big supporter of anti-fracking. Yeah, she was hugely into the environment and stuff in later life, but did become a little bit establishment. But we've got to remember that, you know, the the early day shop when which down in the King's Road, or was it four hundred and thirty King's Road? You know, it was let it rock, too fast to live, too young to die, and became sex in nineteen seventy four. Really, you know, imagine that nineteen seventy four Jordan working there with a see through rubber skirt on and yeah. all the stuff that was happening in there and. The designs that she came out with and Jamie Reed designs and stuff and the, the look, I mean, it was just groundbreaking. It had such a massive cultural impact and really stirred things up. 1974 must have been so shocking. Um, and using those materials and those shirts and those designs, I mean, I just think that we couldn't have done this episode without mentioning Vivian Westwood and the, and the, and the impact that she had. I think it's too easy to forget that in 2023, where so much is happening and so many barriers have been broken down what was it what it was like in the mid 70s where those sorts of things just weren't happening and what a massive change and impact on society Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood had I was genuinely sad to hear about her death you know yeah and condolences um, to her family and, uh, and friends and friends and yeah. uh, you know I'm sure uh, she will be well missed I think so too, and um, you know, I think we've talked about a number of. It's interesting when we start these podcasts and we start talking about people who've died. I mean, yeah. does that say something about our generation? I don't know, but they are people that are part of the story, so they need to be mentioned. So let's not labour on it. Yeah. R.I.P. Vivian. Let's you not labour on that. A couple yeah. of things I wanted. Uh, a couple of housekeeping bits. Ran a couple of competitions over uh, the festive period on our. Uh, on our Instagram account, please try and follow us on Dead's Not Punk Pod on Instagram. And uh, the Twitter account is the same. Um, be great to hear from you. We'll, we will be getting prizes out for competitions that follow down the line, but uh, it's good to get them up and running. Uh, there was two pictures, actually, I posted and I asked to name the pair. 
and very fitting alongside, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, tribute to Vivian. They were all female punk rockers. Oh, nice one. Uh, and yeah. um, so the first one uh, was a band that we talked about and have talked about in every episode, I think, so far, was The Cramps, and it was uh, Picture of Poison Ivy and Candy Del Mar yeah. um, from The Cramps. I think it was from 1980. Um, so well done to, uh, to Martin for getting that one. Well done. And uh, and then the second picture was Nina Hagen. Nina Hagen? I do remember Nina Hagen because she did that really great. I think, was it African Reggae was the single I really liked. Yeah. In German sort of, I liked her. I think I she did a version of Lucky Numbers. Remember Elena Lovage did Lucky, yeah, Lucky like, Numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you may be yeah. right. African Reggae album. Great. Right. That's a good record. Well, Nina Hagen was yeah. with Lydia Lunch, a, a, a friend of... Nick Caves. And oh yeah, the Stink Fist EP. Yes. Great record as well. So that, that, yeah. was, that was who that was. And uh, that was pointed out and first uh, pointed out by Louise from Bath. Yeah, well done, England. Louise. So yeah. well done, Louise. Um, so yeah, that's the co- look out for more comps. I'll be sticking some up over the next week or so. And as I said, we're trying to make these as regular as possible. And I think this is probably the longest gap we've had since we started the podcast. Yeah. Because of uh, the festivities. But... Uh, yeah, you know, the festivities had to come to an end. And where were we meant to be tonight? Sure. Well, we were supposed to be going to see Conflict tonight at the 100 Club. Yeah. And we were, unfortunately, due to illness, that's now been postponed to the 15th of February. There's actually like some really good gigs on in the first couple of weeks at the 100 Club in London. I think in, the in subs. Fact, the boys are playing tomorrow. The boys right? are playing tomorrow and yeah. the subs are playing, aren't they? Anti Nowhere yeah. League. So I was actually thinking about after we've recorded this, you know, just looking at that and seeing if we can get to maybe one or two of those shows. I think 2023, we need to get out to a few more gigs. You know, as we talked about in the previous episode, we are to, we we will be getting some guests on. We'll probably do one more episode without guests and then there will be a guest. Had a really nice uh, conversation um, before Christmas with a few, um, with a few artists who've expressed an an interest in being involved in, in the podcast um, I do want to bring out a, uh, uh, well, mention one in particular, which was bumping into Lee Hegarty from the Ruts um, at, yeah. at an event. If you were up with me, you and before Christmas, I just had such a lovely conversation with him. What a lovely, lovely man. And um, hopefully we can do something about getting him uh, and Segs and Dave on the show to talk about the Ruts. And, um, oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's a really good, uh, a good point to bring up. Um, I remember hearing the ruts on John Peel. Well, and uh, one of the things that uh, I think it was when I was doing a fanzine, I think my colleague and I had written to the ruts. Basically, John Peel gave out uh, uh, an address, and Malcolm Owen wrote back a handwritten letter with the ruts logo on it. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think they only had In a Rut, which was the first single. Was it? Was in the rut the first single? Um, oh, now you now you're testing my. Uh... Uh, I think that 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 they'd only one record out and people had played it, or they'd just done a peel session, which then got us thinking. Do you remember the festive fifty? I do remember. I think, I think in a rut came out. I think it was in a rut. Babylon's burning. Did they release Jar War as a single? Something that I said. Yeah. Anyway, and we we are you know start getting a bit silly. The crack was the album, wasn't it? It was in seventy yeah. nine. Uh, I do remember the festive fifty. Well, I think is it worth just mentioning now that we are gonna 
we're starting off again, aren't we, from 1978, because we'd yeah, finished yeah. 77. So we're going back to 78, and you and I are starting to listen to the radio, stuff of this being played a lot more, and P- P- John Peel was obviously playing tons of stuff and starts... Is the Festive 50... that is 1978 the first Festive 50? No, I think it was more before that. Um, 76 was the first Festive 50 show. Oh, okay. Well, we're not, we've done 76 and 77, so we're going to start from 1978 and got to be mentioning John Peel's 50, F- Festive 50. And I seem to remember... Well, I don't know because I looked it up. I didn't. I, it's not that I remembered this. I looked it up and number one in his Festive 50 in 1978 was the Sex Pistols Anarchy in the UK with number two being The Clash complete control so i don't really think you need me to say any more about how brilliant that is um yeah i mean uh very much all the records were released in 77 because it was a it's a roundup of the new year yeah in um so that's why it's called uh you know uh it's 50, 50, yeah. but uh it, it, it was like it was like an absolute godsend when you, you you held that, and you you know no matter how many times you tried to get the fall in there, you know they were always the greatest records of that year would appear somewhere in that top ten. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Magazine shop were both sides. Brilliant record. Number four, suspect device, but stiff little fingers. Number three. I mean, the top fifty. You know, if you, I'm going to read out the top ten. Sex number oh. one. I'm going to go for number ten. Actually, un- I got that wrong because I, I I've written down the wrong numbers. You go sure. Right, I'm going to read down the, the top ten of John Peel's Festive Fifty of 1978 to give you a little bit of a flavour of what was going on. Remembering that this was at the end of '77 going into that year. So number at number ten, The Undertones' Teenage Kicks, which possibly was, one of the greatest records ever John made. Peel's record. right, it is, it's John Peel's favourite record. Then Public Image, Public Image. I mean, obviously groundbreaking. Yeah. Buzzcocks. What do I get? The Clash, White White Man and Hammersmith Palais, which is like what my favorite class well that and bank robber are my favorite clash tracks um I'm yeah you know you, you, you can say and then pistols pretty vacant magazine shot by both sides stiff little finger suspect device at number four pistols god save the queen at three clash complete control at number two sex, sex pistols anarchy in the uk at number one i love all of those records mm. every single one of them it does start to meander. I, mean, I, I i'm just gonna i love all of them as well yeah. as you go down yeah, it sort of opens up to things that you wouldn't necessarily I know. expect to be in there. Number fourteen, "Stairway to Heaven" by Led Zeppelin. I know. I don't know what he was doing. He's clearly rolled himself a bit bifter by the time he's got to the <laughs> after the first ten. Considering and, that was released in nineteen seventy one. I know. I don't know what he's doing there. I mean, and Bruce Springsteen, "Born to Run." Yeah, I mean, Derek. Which, which was one of those records. I'll be honest. I was never a Springsteen fan. No. At the outset, but then I went to see him. Yeah. And I became a big fan of Springsteen. Did he do an 18-hour set? Or he did a four and a half hour It's set. too long. No, 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 no. But, again, I could probably do a greatest hits. Oh, I'm not interested. You know, um, and why are Dire Straits in there, for God's sake? Um, what are you doing? They're not Dire Straits. They're in there. They're at number 28. Dire Straits, the Sultans of Swing. No. No, no, we're not having that. Definitely no. not having that. And here's another one we're not having. <clears throat> and this should have been brought up when we were talking about, you know, the sort of R&B pub rock scene, rhythm and blues and all that. A band called The Motors. Dancing the Night Away. They were, they were rubbish. You nearly swore then, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> they were rubbish. Yeah. They should never have been latched onto punk. Right, look, I'm going to say that in the top 50, 50, 50 
75 oh david bowie heroes that is a good track yeah. but um and it's also got another girl another planet by the only ones in it anyway look we're getting really nerdy here and we're disappearing down a rabbit hole mm. in john peel's top festive 50 for 1978 i'm gonna go 80% of the tracks are absolute bangers and then there's some 70s filler nonsense in there um, but we're going to let John Peel off the hook for that because he's John Peel yeah. and is brilliant. And he was the one that, you know, probably started my listening to radio phase. And uh, not only was there John Peel, there was also <coughs> a Radio Luxembourg show around about that time as well. Um, 78, 79, which I think Kid Jensen did. David Kid Jensen? Yeah. And it was... Um, it was obviously, yeah, go on. It was, I think it was a pirate station that it, came from yeah. one of the guys. You know, like, Luxembourg. Yeah, from Luxembourg. Yeah. I used to listen to that in my little radio and it used to phase in and out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Got, it, it was a Sunday night, it used yeah. to play some great tracks. And another mention from somebody from Scotland as well. I vaguely think this was a, a thing that started in 78, 79. If any of our Scottish listeners can confirm, Brian Ford, Street Sounds on um, Radio Clyde. I think it was a Wednesday evening and it was dedicated mm. to everything that John Peel was playing and everything that was surrounded by what was punk rock. Mm. You could send in adverts, uh, start bands on that show. In fact, I'm sure a few bigger bands from Glasgow developed out of forming bands on Brian Ford's Street Sounds show nice. on Radio Clyde. Yeah. Um, if you were doing a fanzine, which we were doing at the time, he'd advertise it on mm. air and where it was on sale in the record shops, you could get it. So, so three, uh, three radio shows: Radio One, obviously John Peel, Kid Jensen, uh, Radio Luxembourg, and Brian Ford Street Sounds in Glasgow. It was you know where you discovered it was like discovering music, right? Mm. Because again, we talked about record shops. You go into record shops and you get if we if we've got it, it's over there on the A to Z, mate. Yeah, you know that sort of attitude from the new, from the young ones yeah, behind yeah. the counter, right? Yeah, and, you know, whispering Bob, Bob Harris <laughs> whispering, type. Whispering yeah, whispering Bob Harris, yeah. whispering away in his Leonard Skinner albums yeah. and all that, right? So you know, basically, your discovery of music was through going to see bands live, because also at the time when you went to see bands seventy eight, seventy nine, you always had great supporters as well. We talked about that as well. Mm. That's, that's how you would discover, mm. you know, another new band, but uh, but radio. Radio is what, and I always, I, I mean, I listened to Peel and got loads of, I mean, I remember him playing Crass and Discharge and stuff. I mean, yeah. who played, no one, yeah, no, I mean, no, that just didn't happen. And then the enemy used to do Single of the Week. There was Single of the Week 1 and Single of the Week 2, and I got the enemy, and I'd always like to want to check out, you know, what was being played. And I do remember in 1978, because we are going to be talking about 1978, remember, that there were some great releases, but wasn't it the year... That Joy Division on Ideal for Living came out. I think it was. I think that came out in the middle of 1978. And it did. It did, yeah. And I remember that being in the NME. And because touching on that, and you know, another thing was, uh, well, I'm going to go back to radio. I don't know, sometimes you're a bit sad, but you know, when you're growing up, I used to tape John Peel as well. Oh, yeah. You know, you had the tape player yeah. and you tried to cut out his voice yeah. at the end. Yeah. So you thought you had the record. Do you think DJs deliberately talked over the beginning and the end of records just to annoy you when you're doing the bloody taping? Yeah, when you're trying to yeah. tape, tape it off the radio, yeah. you know, and then you, you had a tape 
and then uh, you know that was exciting because you could go back and listen to it mm. again and see if it was as good as you thought it was between 10 o'clock at night and midnight when you're you yeah. told your mum you've gone to sleep because you've got school the next morning and you've got John Peel stuck in your ear, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, it, you know, an ideal for living was... Uh, the other way to discover music at that point as well was... Because um, remember, you know, we were young. We didn't have that much money. We didn't have, much didn't have any money. money. Right, and uh, to go out and start buying a load of singles, we'd have, you know... Our pocket money was soon gone. So another way of discovering and consuming music was um, compilations. Well, that's it. That's, there was yeah. quite a few of them came out around about that time. And there was one that came out in, on Virgin Records in 1978 called Live at the Electric Circus in yep. Manchester. And uh, it was, the, the, you know, the track listing was extremely varied. The Fall to Steel Pulse, to John Cooper Clark, to yep. an unknown band called Warsaw. Well, Warsaw, <laughs> that that's yeah. So that's Joy Division. Yes. First, you know, uh, in, you know, that's the first band that they were. Yeah, you're right. I, I seem to remember buying a lot. I bought those punk and disorderly compilations, but that was a bit later. And yeah. then there was that really classic yeah, punk, was like punk and disorder, uh, bands like the Partisans, Violators. Yeah, that was definitely yeah, more all, a, all a bit sort of more eight, early, very early eighties. But um, I've still got those. But uh, and then there was um, there was the, that punk compilation with the kind of really f neon oh, cover. Twenty of another. Kind. Yeah, that's it. Twenty of another kind. Exactly that. Which was very much that was slightly. But I'd say that's seventy eight, seventy nine, Stuart. I'd yeah, definitely. That starts off, I think, with Plastic Bertrand. Saint-Pain Brumois. saint Pour yeah. Again, a track which is used in many an advert over the years, you know? Yeah. And everybody's going, was he Belgian or French? It's Belgian. Belgian. Yeah. Yeah. Belgian, punk rock. Eh? What's this all about? But it was a hit. It was a massive hit, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, mm. So there was 20 another kind. Then there was that one that was very... American biased, which had the guy on the front sleeve, or it was a red sleeve, but a guy was that noise? A guy walking down the street, or spraying a can of beer, yeah. And it was called New Wave, do you know? Yeah, I, mean? I do, yeah. That was very much the Dead Boys and the Ramones and Patty Smith talking heads and stuff like that that were on that. And also, around about that time, one of the most influential labels of that time, American wise, was uh, Seymour Stein, Sire, yeah. Sire released a compilation called. The cyanotic machine that mm. tums you up, which had the likes of the Ramones, the Dead Boys. Well, he would have had the Ramones, wouldn't he? Because he signed the Ramones. And he signed the Dead Boys. Yeah. And he signed the Rosillos. And he signed the Undertones. Yeah. You know, and he signed the Talking Heads. So, you know, there, there's some compilations. Was that 20 of another kind? Sorry, just going back to that. Was that the one with the kind of guy with the sort of spiky hair and sunglasses? Was it like sort of neon? Yeah, it was almost like that, you know, sort of... I think I heard The Cure on that album. Killing. Do you remember the Killing an Arab track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good track. Yeah, there was a lot of British stuff yeah. on that, definitely. I mean, we, we touched on... What year did that come out, then? There was a lot a lot of British stuff on that. But I'm sure that came out in 79. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I, I just, you know, just thinking back to it, I mean, you know... It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's, I think, 999 on there. I'm going to have to find it. I'm going to have to go and look it up. I don't want to look it up. I'm trying to do it live. Trying to do it live. Uh, Remember, yeah. we do this live all the time. Uh, there was some dodgy, again, 
going back to my comment with the hotel Stewart, there was yes. a lot of bands that and artists that just sort of jumped on yes. And on that album there was a track by Will Willie Barrett and John Otway. John Otway, I remember him. Right. He did that track called Really Free when he was he had that beatbox on his yeah. body. Be hey baby, I'm really free. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's on that album. As are the boys. Yeah. Night, I think John I think what uh, John Otway was on the young ones. Was he? I think so, yeah. What, with Neil from the record I shop? think they're just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but going back to 1978 then, yeah, you're absolutely right. The role, the role of the compilation, which sort of amalgamated all the yeah, big singles. Yeah, you could, get them, you could yeah. get them for about the price of three singles. Yeah, and you, you know, had like you 20 had, tracks on yeah, it. 10, yeah. 10, 12 tracks on it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, um, the Short Circuit one, Live at the Electric Circus, was definitely one that I had. I remember it came out in 10-inch vinyl, blue vinyl, if, yeah. I, if I remember rightly, was the one I had. And then there was um, Fast Product. Do you remember Fast? Yeah. Right, so Fast Product. They made all the stuff, the merch. No, no, no. Fast Product was the label from Edinburgh that released the Mekons. Oh, that's right, the Mekons. Yeah, yeah. Where were you? Yeah. And the the Gang of Four. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. They they released uh, a compilation in, uh, I think it might have been 79. Correct me if I'm wrong. That included the Mekons, the Scars, Human League, Gang of Four, no, which was called Fast Product. And then they also released some compilations, which Joy Division were on one of them. It was called Earcom 1 and Earcom 2. Now, you mentioned this in a previous episode, didn't you? Did I? I think you did, but I'm not, you know, anyway, we're talking about this episode now. Yeah, but. yeah, and we're talking about compilations. Those Earcom compilations were very innovative, and, you know, again, I can remember being. The youngest band I'd ever discovered in punk rock were on Earcom 1, a band from Edinburgh called The Prats. So yeah. A shout out to The Prats. Yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're, they're only about 30 now. Yeah, yeah they're only about 30 now. Yeah. Yeah. Not, like, not like us. Who, yeah. You know, slowly, yeah, not 30. Slowly it's quite down. interesting you talking about that fast product compilation, though. I mean, with the Human League being kind of amongst those sorts. If you think about the Human League now, most people are going to think about Dare and Don't You Want Me and all yeah, that yeah. nonsense. Well, but know, actually, you know, earlier on, they were kind of quite a groundbreaking band, weren't they? they were with very groundbreaking yeah. in that electronic sound, yeah. you know, of... Uh, you know, which influenced a lot of the stuff that came out on Mute. Well, there was the whole Sheffield Miller. sort of electric yeah, with Cabaret Voltaire Cabaret and Voltaire, yeah. the Daniel Miller stuff. With, yeah, TVOD, uh, the TVOD, normal, the normal yeah. stuff like that. The Human League were probably yeah. one step ahead of that yeah. at the time. And it would have been the stuff that was on the reproduction album, like yeah, yeah. being Empire State Human and uh, being amazing, boiled and amazing records. Yeah, and funnily enough, before they started having all the hits when they had the two uh, girls. Maybe there's a waitress in a cocktail bar. The two mm. girls joined Human League. The Human League were so innovative as yeah. an act, and uh, not to be knocked. Not that we'd ever knock anybody for being successful, sure. But uh, interesting comment from you know, interesting that I noted at the time was that was when Joe Callis from the Rosillos left the Rosillos and joined the Human League. Really? And he wrote, "Don't you want me?" Wow, that was. Uh... Yeah. So you know that's so he, he's not he's not doing the rebellion festival no. knocking out the old you know <laughs> rock rocking out at seventy Eugene. Yeah. <laughs> you know definitely not definitely not so uh, and yeah. Gang of Four as well I mean the you know great band but we are going to sort of drift away from seventy eight into early eighties if we keep talking about those sorts of artists yeah, yeah, and this are. is about nineteen seventy eight so I think I mean I I mentioned. 
I mean, there's a lot of good albums that came out in 78, but I want to talk about one in particular, um, which is uh, Germ-Free Adolescence by the X-Ray Specs, which is one of the things we talked about in a previous episode was the amount of albums that stand up in 2023 that were recorded in and around that period. And I happen to believe that Germ-Free Adolescence is one of those albums. I think it um, really stands the test of time. I think they're a band that made one record, really. Polystyrene, obviously, very sort of interesting character, had her ups and downs and a lot of personal issues. But I think it's a brilliant record, and I still listen to that to this day and think it's great. And it does definitely need a special call-out. I mean, it came out at the end of 78. Remember, the slits hadn't had cut, hadn't yeah, come out. No, no, no. But female-fronted bands, I think, were an important aspect of punk. It enabled an awful lot of that to happen, which you didn't get in male-orientated rock, cock rock. No, you didn't. And, you know, punk opened up the door yeah. for females to be accepted in a very male-dominated music exactly. industry. And, you know, we should be proud of that, of supporting yeah. artists like X-Ray Specs. Uh, yeah, and the Slits. Like the Slits, um, yeah. the Raincoats. Yeah. Um, in fact, Gina, Box, Gina Box has got a new album coming out. Well, I'll, I'll, an interesting one. I'll, yeah. Box from the Raincoats is yeah. a new album coming out on Third Man Records, which is Jack White. It's Jack White's label, yeah, yeah. White Stripes. So that, 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 you know, still doing. When's that out? So early this year, March. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely be listening to that. Yeah. I mean, she'd be. I'd love to have Gina on the podcast. Yeah, that she'd well, be. Well, a really interesting person. She'd be really. Yeah. Good. In so, fact, I saw her a couple of years ago. Um, she did a, a Q and A with Caroline Coon at the, uh, London Museum when the the Clash exhibition was on at the London Museum. Uh, a friend of mine. Me Did like, you go and watch the the Q and A? Yeah, I asked some questions. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I asked. I mean, you know, it was all about women and rock and mm. women and, and, and music and how women had developed through punk. It was really, really interesting. And there's some great uh, pieces online about women and punk. And um, but there's also some great things you can get on uh, a couple of things that I've watched over Christmas on Amazon. One of them was the extra specs. Really? Documentary, which well, was done by Polly Styling's daughter. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I watched it. It's really, it's quite moving, isn't it? Yeah, it's very moving. I think um I think if you've not I think if you've not seen the polystyrene documentary, um you need to. Uh I think it's I'm a cliche. Is that yeah. is that what I mean, it's I called? I think you're right, yeah. Um, it's very well done and well, well put together and uh, and shows how much of an influence her mum was on not only her as a daughter but as as and the music industry as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't know there was, it was her name, Celeste. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know quite some of that stuff. And, you know, when she went to New York and I mean, the potential of the band was huge, but unfortunately due to sort of mental health issues and stuff, you know, polystyrene never really, never really, you know, well, I don't know. I think they did kind of make their mark because they made such a brilliant record, but, you know, really underrated band, absolutely seminal record. Um, obviously they were really in amongst you know she was really in amongst the pistols you know friend really friendly with John Lydon and I think uh, and, and knew Don Letts and you know so yeah, she was very much in the scene yeah and for you know female yeah and um, you know amazing documentary I can't I can't um, say any more about it and yeah. the other one that I watched was the slits oh that's just yeah. Yeah, which is really good, but you tipped me off on it. Yeah. Both, I think, are on Amazon. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, there were slits we'll talk about next time because obviously that album comes out in 1979. It took a long time coming because obviously they'd done 
they toured with the Pistols and the Clash, and you know, they were, um, and obviously there's a real tie-in with the Pistols because obviously Ari up from the Slit, uh, Slits, her mother Nora, she married John Lydon, yeah, um, and I believe you know uh, since Ari's sad death. John Lydon and his wife you know brought up her kids and you know so there's a real interesting human story there but we'll talk about that again because I think the Slits probably one of those bands that require a sort of special mention because I think that they were incredibly influential and seminal in a way and I, I, I think that so talk, going back to albums that really stand up from the time I think the cut by the Slits is definitely one of them but 1978 I'm going to say my top album of the year was Germ Free Adolescence of course um, The Clash uh, Given Enough Rope comes out the same year, which is a great record. Um, I think there's a few other albums as well that are probably... I'm not too sure about... Generation Cro- X, I'll, I'm going to mention Generation X. Go on then. They were a massive influence on me as I was growing up. And, uh, you know, you know when your heroes, you know, sort of... They should know when to give up, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but Billy Idol has not made a great record since the 80s. And he's still putting out music. I mean, in fact, I think not Christmas Eve, but Christmas last Christmas, he released Billy Idol the Christmas album. Right? You've got to know. I when think he was wearing a Christmas jumper. You've got to know when to give up. Billy. If you're wearing a Christmas jumper, you need to give up. Yeah. Now, although we did mention in episode one that we'd probably go and see Generation Six support. Um, well, this is Blondie and Diggy Pop. It's and uh, it's yeah. Diggy Pop and Blondie, but Billy. I know you can sell out 10 nights in Vegas and people will, you know, lap up white wedding and all that, right? But, you know, it's just, you've got to know. And this would have been a great week for you to give up as you'd just been given your Hollywood uh, star of fame on the yeah. uh, on outside Amoeba Records in, uh, in LA. And, uh, you know, there's got to be a time. You, you don't want to be the Brian Ferry of punk. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly don't want to be. Could there be a Brian Ferry of punk? Oh, well, a... I suppose Charlie Harper's got a bit. Of... Oh no, <laughs> you're not saying anything bad about Charlie. Yeah, you know. oh, Charlie, if you're listening to the podcast, mate, yeah. you're not. We're not we calling you. you. We love you. You're not the Brian Ferry of punk. <laughs> um, anyway, look, I'm going to go back and talk about 1978 again because that's supposed <laughs> to be what we're talking about, not Brian Ferry, who will never be mentioned again. No, he will um, never be mentioned again. So. Um, I think in 1978, Adam and the Ants released Young Parisians as a single. Yeah. I think that's a good record. I quite like early Adam and the Ants. I like the, I like, you know, Jordan's involved. I think it's, you know, what do you think? Adam and the Ants, Young Parisians, is that, is that a, is that a, a single worth mentioning from 1978? Or oh, are you, are I... you going to brand me? <laughs> or are you going to come back at me and say, get lost Prince Charming, we're not yeah, interested. no, 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 no. no, no. I was a massive fan. Oh, yeah, um, the early stuff's great, yeah, isn't the it? The early stuff's great. Hey, even the, you know, when... It Careful did, now. <laughs> no, even when it did go pop. I mean, Prince Charming was a great record. Ant Rap was... Well, I think Kings of the Wild Frontier, Kings of the Wild you Frontier, know... Frontier, they were great records. Sure. I mean, we're talking about Vivian Westwood, yeah. you know, going back to her, right from the start, good link, you know, yeah. obviously she's really instrumental in dressing and designing the whole sort of Ant thing. You know, um, and they were huge, weren't they? Yeah, but uh, I like Dirt Wears White Socks and I like the early singles and I oh, liked I know all you that. Do, but you know, yeah. I like my pop more than you. I know you, you know. do. But yeah, God. I remember Diana Doris was in one of the Adam and the Ants videos. Really? What, the, yeah. in the carriage? 
Yeah, stand and deliver. I think it might be stand and deliver. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Enough about that. Let's talk about something properly punk. Right, also in 1970. Yeah. Yeah, it did, yeah. With a newspaper sleeve. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that just, was great. That yeah, was that's great. just one of the best records ever made, in my view. Angelic Up starts Murder of Little Towers. I think that's 78. The Mother of Little Towers. Little oh, Towers, yeah. Well, the Oldie Towers. No, Little. No. no. Little. Yeah, Who Killed Little? Oh, Who Killed Little? Yeah. And that is 1978. I'll tell you who killed Little. The police killed, killed Little. Killed Little, yeah. Because yeah. the B side of the single was called Police Oppression. There you go. Uh, uh, alternative. Alternative Menzi. TT. AT, yeah. Mensful. He died. He died, didn't he? He, died. he yeah. was a massive um, supporter of like, the anti Nazi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, working class politics and stuff. I like the guy a lot. Sunderland or somewhere I saw a really lovely eulogy. Steve Ignorant from Crass wrote a really lovely eulogy about him when he died and I and posted a lovely picture of him with his arm round him and uh, it was quite touching. I, a bit, I'm a big Angelic Upstarts fan. I, think. Oh, I saw him. I yeah. definitely saw the, yeah. the Upstarts. Me too. I'm an Upstart baby. Yeah. What you going to do? But I, them, yeah. Yeah. And I really liked them. Yeah. yeah. Great band. In fact, I'm going to listen to them tonight. Um, so ATV, Action Time of Vision, Mark Perry, of course, from, um, from Sniffing Glue fanzine. They uh, That record comes out in 78. There's some great stuff. That comes out in 78. I think the adverts release quite a few singles, but I think they start to kind of drift. The adverts? Yeah, I think they drift. I think to... Almost Eyes is one That's of the, a great record. One of these seminal punk records of all time, right? And, uh, uh, and now I'm stuck. What were the other ones? Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Gary Gilmore's Eyes. Oh, God. Do you know that T.V. Smith not only wrote all the stuff for the adverts, but we touched on it a couple of episodes ago, the Lords of the New Chops and the Steph Baters and the Dead Boys. He, TV Smith wrote most of the songs for Lords of the New Chops. Did he? And he wrote, wrote a few of the But hits. he wasn't in Lords of the New Chops. No, he wasn't. He was just doing the songwriting. Yeah, it's good at songwriting. One Called Wonders was a, another. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to play for me tonight? Yeah. Yeah, that but was it, good. And then Cast of Thousands, it all starts to drift for me because I think, you know, the first album, was it? Crossing the Red Sea, yeah. The was the Bored Teenagers, that's another one, isn't it? Bored Teenagers is a good track. Look, they're a good band. They toured with the Damned. We got the Damned in. Where, where are we at on the on the time that we've managed to talk about? We're 34 minutes in and we haven't <laughs> mentioned the Damned. I do apologise, listeners, for not mentioning the Damned, but I'm mentioning them now because we're talking about the adverts. Adverts famously supported the Damned on a brilliant tour. You know, and uh, they're a good band, but I think... Mm, I think they had a few good tracks and, you know, that was about it, really. Um, Buzzcocks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. music in a different kitchen. Great record. Absolutely brilliant record. Yeah. And again, uh, coming out of the not-so-London-centric punk scene, Yeah. Manchester-based uh, Buzzcocks, they just had a, a knack for writing great three-minute pop songs. I'm using the word pop. I know you are. Sure because, yeah. you know... They, some of those songs have lasted the test of time. Yeah. And that's what you want, you know? Um, never fall in love with someone you shouldn't have fallen in love with. Well, again, one of these seminal records that came out of punk rock, Orgasm Addict, Boredom. Yeah. Um, I could go on and on. Uh, everybody's happy nowadays. But, you know, they had a, a, ca- a cannon full of catalogue. Yeah. That, you know... Uh, I like the I like Buzzcocks, not the Buzzcocks, but I like them. Um, I never said the Buzzcocks, did I? No, you didn't. I'm just no, I'm just making the point. I think but I nearly no, did. From from a point of view, 
of a band that that grew out of punk, but were never involved in that spitty end of punk. If you do you know what I mean? Mm. They were I mean they, they they played with the Clash and the Pistols and you know at the Leicester Free Trade Hall in Manchester with the Pistols I believe, but they they quickly set themselves aside by great songwriting, and that's what you know gave them that. Uh, pedestal over the next few years to like almost um did keith moon die in 1978 why are you interrupting me i'm oh, sorry i know oh, you were but i apologize yeah. i just came into my head i think he may have died yeah, yeah. i do i'm sorry yeah carry on talking about buzzcocks yeah i think he did because when i saw when i saw the who it was 79 yeah and i think kenny jones was the drummer with the who at that point and uh Keith Moon had definitely, definitely died. But just going on about the Buzzcocks again, you know, and back to my rant about, you know, you got to know when to give up, right? Billy Idol, Steve Diggle. Yeah. I mean, that was, again, witnessed at last year's rebellion. Last year's rebellion now. Yeah, yeah, it is last year's, year's, yeah. Last year's rebellion. Diggle, you've had a good, you've had a good go at it. You've had a great innings. Go and write a book. Do something different that's creative and in the arts, but don't try and sing some of the greatest songs ever recorded by Pete Shelley and Howard DeVoto. Because it doesn't work. Yeah, I'm just still... I even preferred Flag of Convenience, so that was Diggle's own band mm. in the 80s to the, to what he's doing now. I just, I didn't get it. So that's what this podcast's all about. Yeah. Having opinions. If you don't have an opinion, you just be a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not. We're definitely not going to be sheep. No. That's for sure. I was just also thinking because thinking about Keith Moon dying in '78. You know, there's a few other things that happened in '78. Um, Nancy Spungen gets oh, yeah. allegedly allegedly killed. Allegedly, no, no, I think we talked about that in the last. We did, episode. yeah. I think um, it was it was right about this time that said basically went up to court in New York. Yeah, he's in court. She dies at the end of '78. Yeah. He's in court in New York. He gets bail. Uh, gets out and then obviously he dies the following year of February I think but um, so that happens and then you know but the ma- mainstream culture is dominated by some bloody awful things like Saturday Night Fever and Mull of Kintyre by Paul McCartney yeah, some which of is the, some of the Night Fever was a great film sure. I'm not going there no 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 no, no but it wasn't a great film hey I didn't fall in love I, I, you know the biggest one of the biggest records of all time that's ever sold was the soundtrack to Greece. Yeah, which came out in 
which also came out in 1978. So I've linked that That's back there. That's a bit bloody obvious. <laughs> Derek Jarman's Jubilee, yeah. 1978, you know, with Jordan. Um, uh, I've, I watched, actually, I think it deserves another viewing because at the time it got a bit of a slagging. But it's actually pretty good. Toya Wilcox is in it. She's another one. Sorry, you've got me going. She does this thing online at the moment with her husband, who is Robert Fripp. I know. Who I believe yeah. was in King Crimson. And then he was, yeah. Right. And they do this Sunday lunchtime thing where the two of them are in their kitchen doing rock classics. You just watch things in the day that I don't watch. What no, is no, that? No, no, no. I, I came. I jumped across it. She seems to have got quite a good bit of press out of it. Yeah. I she think... actually got the Billy Idol to her. Oh, that speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah. She been, was on the Billy Idol. You've just hung yourself from your own batard there. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm so I'm going to go. So Adam the Ants. Oh, Adam Ant, obviously in Jubilee. That's Jane County in Electric Chairs, Chelsea. Adam and the Ants, a couple of tracks. Um, it's got uh, Brian Eno. Okay, I'll let you go on that one. But and it's also got Susan the Banshees on it. I, I think it's good, and I watched that film. Uh, about nine months ago, and I really bloody enjoyed it. So uh, I'm I'm sticking with that as my favourite soundtrack. Okay, I'll uh, I'll check that out over the yeah. next week and uh, give that another listen. Uh, in '78, the Ramones released a third album. The Ramones. It was at Road to Ruin. Road to Ruin. Yeah, yeah, which uh, deserves a mention as well. That was probably one of my favourite Ramones albums. I, do you know what? I've been playing the Ramones a lot just lately. Uh, a friend of mine who uh, I've been hanging out with quite a lot is uh, is a really big Ramones fan. And for some reason, we've been listening to the Ramones like all the time. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because they made so many great records. Well, the Ramones famously did that show in London on New Year's Eve. At the Roundhouse? At the Roundhouse, yeah. right. And uh, that has come up a lot in my feeds over the last few weeks because of new year and it's happy new year from the ramones and all of that and uh yeah they were a great band absolutely amazing amazing band um what i wanted to try and tie this into the ramones fashion and the look that they had yeah the look that they had uh, was very much yeah you know the leather jacket skinny jeans yeah the, the baseball boots and all that and we touched on fashion at the, at the end of the last episode. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, yeah. I think it was my speaker. Yeah, oh, go on. Apologies, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, we touched on fashion at the end of the last episode. And I suppose one of the first things that you would ever have got in 77, 78 would have been a leather jacket. Yeah. Because it was following on from that Ramones skinny jean leather jacket. Yeah. Boots, right? It's an interesting thing that you're saying there. Sorry to interrupt you, but when you, I think you asked me in the last episode what I was wearing at the time, you know, the painted blazer and the pins, and the it was very much sort of traditional that sort of 76, 77 look. I, it took me a long time to get a leather jacket. Really? Yeah, I didn't have a leather jacket for a while. I wore like m way more traditional. And I had a leather jacket for a bit when I'm with back. I can't even remember what band I had on the back, painted in white on the back. I can't remember what it was, thinking back on it. And then I had well, I, studs I, on the lapel and I stuff. I had a leather jacket. In fact, me and my mate both had leather jackets. Mm. I'm sure we did. It was something that we, you know, we chased our parents for, you know, yeah. pretty early on in punk. In fact, my mate had a black and white leather jacket. Yeah. Black and white lapel. Yeah. Which is very sort of uh, 
Pretendles-esque, I think. Chris yeah, but I seem to re- I seem to remember Captain Sensible wearing one of those on on some on some images. But anyway, I just wanted to get the damned into the. <laughs> Not yeah. again. But <laughs> you know, we we touched on it um, in the last episode about the um, the fashion police and mm. all of that and what we were wearing. And uh, thanks to one of our contributors, he sent us a. Um, there's a, a website called flashback.com which, right. which uh, lists all the ads that were in the back of the NME and yeah. sounds and melody mail order punk at the time to become a mail order punk if you, you didn't live in the cities and uh, you know some of these uh, some of these t-shirts cap sleeve t-shirts bright pink with black left leopard dots I remember having one of them Yeah, I remember having one of them I also remember having red PVC trousers Blimey. and um, and white PVC trousers, but you could dress in any way you wanted. I mean, I'm looking through this at the moment. Obviously, coming into '79 and the influence of quadrophenia, you dress like a mod. You dress like a scar. You could even dress like David Bowie in some of these adverts. And uh, yeah, leather jackets. There, there they are. Leather jackets from Gringos in 1980 sale. Um, leather jackets were 44.95. Wow. In '77. They also did strap trousers, bondage trousers. Yeah. Conductor trousers, what were they? Uh, were I'm they not the sure. The white ones with the, the red the, line With the line down them, yeah. Yeah, conductor trousers. So I remember kind of something called a band jacket, which was kind of like a... Some bands wore those. They were kind of like a blazer, but they had piping on them. I remember the Libertines wearing them when we went to see them at the pist- oh, with the yeah, pistols. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of band jackets. The military, They're like, the military, the military yeah, like, the military like a marching band, band yeah. yeah, yeah. Which basically, my chemical romance used... Um, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Gerald, whatever his yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, we're not talking about that. Do you remember shaggy jumpers? Yeah, I did, what, like the mohair ones? But there was the mohair ones and then there was the Captain Sensible ones. Yeah, but the mohair ones, oh, yeah, I had yeah, one of those. Yeah, touched on shaggy yeah. jumpers, I think, in the last one. And then, um, I mean, some of these some of these things in here are, are, are unbelievable, what you could buy at the time. Oh, here's an Atletico Spiz 80 t-shirt. <laughs> We're not talking about them because no, he, not, he, he was a dick to you at that gig. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. Um, armbands. Yeah. And how to look punk, how to look punk rock. I mean, it's the, what's happening here when it's getting to this point? I mean, the when we'd said about 76, 77 and it's all DIY and it's a fledgling scene and it's all amazing. I mean, and then, 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 you, then it's a mail order situation. I mean, it's... It just it's just you know once you start getting punk clothes in Woolworths, it's yeah. all starting to go a bit wrong. And that well, you know, you yeah, you could buy bin liners in Woolworths. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean like pro- punk clothes from yeah. Woolworths, oh, bin liners in a bucket speed. So when next episode when we get to some we finish off a bit more in seventy eight, we get into seventy nine. I am going to start the conversation about the divergence into sort of more serious anarcho punk and also the sort of gathering storm of some of the other bands you know like the clay records bands and stuff because and you can talk a little bit about you know how the new wave thing yeah, yeah, yeah that, the post-punk that, that thing that, that's what we're going to get into in the next episode so you know this this one sort of drawing to an end but, I think. That, but this one i want to draw it to an end with this there's a specific advert here on this page with a photograph of the clash yeah and somebody licensed that photograph and it's called clash gear get your clash jeans your motorbike jacket, your drill straights, your PVC straights, and a photograph of the Clash from Mainline in Bristol. Oh, yeah. Right, do you remember Yeah, Mainline? I do, yeah. And then there's another one here, which 
it's something that we're probably going to move into in 79, the Crombie. Right. Now, that is really weird that you mentioned the Crombie because I was talking to a friend of mine the other night. £27.50. I love a Crombie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a good, it's an absolutely brilliant piece of clothing, isn't it? Classic clothing. Classic clothing. And I think as I've got older, I really appreciate that kind of skinhead crossover <laughs> look. I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I, I was talking about Crombies. Steady. Yeah. Steady. Yeah. So um, anyway, look, we're drifting off into time. We've talked a bit about 78. We've welcomed in the new year. We are going to be getting back into a little bit more on 78 and 79. There's loads and loads of stuff to talk about. I hope you all had a great new year and you're all optimistic about 2023. Again, just want to mention thank you to everyone who's, who emailed us over Christmas and into the new year. Really appreciate all your feedback. It's deadsnotpunk.com uh, if you do want to um, email us. Uh, at gmail.com, I'm sorry. deadsnotpunk.gmail.com. Apologies. Yeah. It's that. Um, and we will be back in just over a week with episode just, six. Just over a week with episode six. And... Uh, Somebody we touched on tonight that we both agreed was uh, a major influence in both our careers. Like to end up with you know a bit of uh, bit of music from the Angelic Upstart. Yeah, excellent choice, Ewan. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. check out the accompanying playlist which will be up on spotify and all the usual sites um thanks a lot see, see ya next week bye